And welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of the Regression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. And wow, I am grateful I am not a Raiders fan. And joining us here, as always, on Monday nights, Keegan Thompson. How we doing, man? We're down bad, but we're also up good, Sean. This is the part of the fantasy season where boys become men and some men go back to being boys. (laughs) Keegan and I have both been a bit down today. And I realized that the reason I'm a bit depressed today is because I watched 13 hours of football, including the London game. And I watched three to four excruciating fantasy losses. Um, it was it was painful, but not as painful as Keegan. Now, Keegan, I haven't seen people lose like you lost before. Tell us a little bit about that, that excruciating loss. I'm going to lose a matchup by... Let me count the decimal points out here for a second. I don't even have a whole number to give you. I'm going to lose by 0.19 points in a matchup where my kicker made four extra points and yet only accumulated two total fantasy points because he missed two field goals. goes back to my whole band kickers, get kickers out of fantasy football. And I am absolutely tilting. It'll be my first loss of the year. And I shouldn't be that upset about it, but I'm pissed. I've stared at this score for hours <laughs> did you try it did you did you tell your players to try harder did, did yes, you try that uh, one i don't think my pregame speech really got through to them i'll share a little bit of my pain i had a starting lineup with gabe davis jalen hurts leonard fournette and justin jefferson and i lost because t higgins played 10 snaps on sunday night football that's a tough donuts take yeah didn't you lose like didn't you always score like 95 points and lose I have a, a roster okay. that has Lamar Jackson, Mike Evans, Karen okay. Jones, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, okay. Jamar Chase, and I started the Dallas defense this week, and I put up 91 points. Okay, so the Dallas defense accounted for 30% of your points? 30%. 30% of your points, maybe 25% of your points? You know, I mean, come on, man. You scored, you scored 90 points, and your defense scored 20. That's tough. I scored 160 points, and I and I took that L. I, I'm holding it right now. But I did win a game in which Pat Mahomes came through and Darren Waller didn't play. So it always kind of all washes out in the end. Every it, point it really matters does. in fantasy when you get down to the end of it, and it's like you got tiebreakers, points for. Like every point matters. Can't have a week like that. You know who did win, though? J-E-T-S. T-S. Jets. 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 Wow. Oh my goodness. The two-headed monster, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. My goodness. Weapons galore. Sauce Gardner. I mean, you 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 did play a third string quarterback after Teddy Bridgewater was removed from the game for kind of no reason. I don't want to hear that. Our Elijah Vera Tucker is playing his fourth offensive line position of the year in this game. Like, everybody has injuries. I don't want to hear all that. All the people are like, you've only beaten bad quarterbacks. But that's what good teams do. Good teams beat teams they're supposed to beat. The Jets are a good football team, Sean. It's like Tom Brady said, he doesn't throw the flags. You know, you didn't make the schedule, right? You know, you're <laughs> you just got to play who's in front of you. Tom Brady might be throwing flags out there, let's be honest. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to those roughing the passer calls a little bit later here in the episode. But your Jets won, the 49ers won, we got Matt Rule fired. I was telling people before the game that if the 49ers don't beat the Panthers so bad that Matt Rule gets fired, 
I was going to be pretty disappointed. So pretty happy we got the win, but of course, can't even really celebrate another season-ending injury to a key player. So it's tough. It's bittersweet. We're going to three and two. We got the Falcons next week. Hopefully, we can go to four and two before a big game against the Chiefs. But it's the NFL, man. It's brutal. Price you pay for wins sometimes. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. It is brutal. You know so, this is brutal, Sean? Yeah, what's brutal? Not drafting a top running back. I think this is the week that a zero RB approach really bit me in the ass. Some might say that you might have written off. Uh, <laughs> you might have written off some of these top running backs, Keegan. Uh, I don't know if I wrote them off. I just I think I got way too into my zero RB approach this year, and it really bit my bit me in the ass this week. You know, I would say you wrote them off. You know, I've been talking to you pretty much every day, and it's just been. You've just been banging the zero RB drum. I mean, you would have lost like three matchups total heading into this weekend. So I understand, but wow. The top running backs in this year's draft went bananas. Christian McCaffrey had 24 fantasy points. Austin Eckler had 36. King Henry had 27. Dalvin Cook had 26. Alvin Kamara had 23. Probably would have had 40 without Taysom Hill. Leonard Fournette had 36. My goodness. Leonard Fournette, 36. Nick Chubb, who's basically been the best player in fantasy this year, who you and I have spent a cumulative two minutes talking about all season on this podcast with another 25 points. I mean, the only person missing from this list is just Pittsburgh Trent Richardson. Najee, you're already in jail. No chance you're leaving jail. You're not leaving jail until you break off a 25-yard run. Najee Harris, you heard it here first. I guess Bond the, has been posted and he can't afford it. No, you he cannot afford it. Six fantasy points is not going to get you out of jail. Okay, so aside from Najee Harris, do you think these first-round running backs, these second-round running backs, do you think they're here to stay? Do you think it just took four weeks for everybody to figure out their offenses? Now they're pounding the rock to their studs? Or do you think this was just cumulative very good matchups across the board for some of our best running backs in fantasy? I mean, CMC is the outlier here in a very bad team and a bad offense, but CMC continues to be CMC. So I think no matter what his situation is, he was always going to be good when healthy. When healthy, he's like one of the best fantasy players ever. Eckler is doing this on minimal run. You know, it's not like he's getting bell cow work. Eckler is just super, super, super talented. Um, Henry is Henry is Henry. Again, um, and even saw some of his, like those, he had a kind of an upward regression for grabbing some catches and that kind of slowed down this week and he was still really good. Dalvin, he is in a territory of heading towards maybe a potential running back committee. I don't know if this keeps up every week. Um, and like you said about Kamara, he could have had 40, if not for Taysom Hill. So Kamara could be just on the up and up. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Austin Eckler. You know, he's running back one right now in fantasy. So he's had back-to-back 35-point performances. Before that, he had 13, 18, and 11. I would not have guessed that Austin Eckler is RB1. I would have guessed Nick Chubb was RB1 at this point. And you mentioned that he's doing it on limited run. He hasn't crossed a 64% snap share once this season. So for our listeners here, typically snap share just indicates how often a player is on the field. Last year, Najee Harris was on the field for like 87% of snaps. That's why he was just an absolute target machine, had a ton of points. Saquon Barkley 
has been on the field a ton this year as one of the top scorers in fantasy. He dominates pretty much all the snaps at running back outside of when he's in the medical tent. Eckler doing this on like 59% snap share is pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And it really just indicates like how valuable the passing work is in this offense. You know, people are drafting someone like Eckler, you know, they're the running, he's the running back in an offense where Justin Herbert's quarterback. And I think a lot of these guys look pretty good with the quarterbacks that are in place. You know, Leonard Fournette, after having a bit of a down couple weeks, has a really strong week. The Tampa Bay offense looks a lot better. Still kind of choppy, but he clearly has that passing down role. He's going to continue to soak up targets from Tom Brady. If they continue to be a pass-happy team, now that Chris Godwin's back with Mike Evans, you know, I really see Leonard Fournette taking advantage of those obvious passing down situations where he's on the field. Alvin Kamara, I'm going to say it, but I think I like this offense better for him if Andy Dalton's a quarterback. So I don't know what the deal is with Jameis Winston, but I don't mind Andy Dalton back there checking it down to Alvin because that's not Jameis Winston's game. Jameis Winston's going to huck it downfield. So I, I like Alvin Kamara better with Andy Dalton in the fold. So it's kind of my thoughts. Of course, like we didn't even mention it, Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still not going to talk about even going to mention Nick Chubb. I mean, like, yeah, I mean. I think Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb at, at this point. Like, you know what you're <laughs> going to get out of him, and it's probably 20 fantasy points a week. And, like, I don't know what else there is to say about it. Talk about not playing snaps either. Like, <laughs> Chubb is at even less. Chubb's, yeah, Chubb's similar to Ackler. Last week, Chubb had 25 points on 52% of snaps. He is in a legitimate running back committee with Kareem Hunt. And he's the number two PPR running back and the number one standard scoring running back. Nick Chubb, tip of the cap, man. No one ever wrote you off, so you didn't have to write back. But just, just an incredible player. I feel like we just let's give two minutes on every episode to talk about how Nick Chubb is one of the best players in football. Just to give this man his due, because no one talks about the guy. He's incredible. Everyone's just out here in PPR leagues being like, fade Nick Chubb, man. Like, come on. It's PPR. He doesn't catch the ball, bro. How do you, how do you like my uh, fantasy analyst? Can you <laughs> yeah, you sound like every single one of those guys who writes a dude, thread on Twitter. Dude, you don't want to draft Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb doesn't catch the ball, dude. That's Kareem Hunt's role. Okay, so <laughs> Nick Chubb's a beast. I am that guy, by the way. I'd never want to draft Nick Chubb because he doesn't catch the ball. But guess what? You don't need to catch the ball. When you're that good and you score that many touchdowns, but he could be a regression candidate. I think the guy scores two touchdowns every, every single week. Yeah, yeah three touchdowns, week. one, one, two. You know, in the games where he doesn't score a touchdown, 15 points, you know, so something to keep an eye on. But Nick Chubb is an absolute beast. All these guys are awesome. I know that you're a zero RB truther, but it kind of feels good seeing all these guys get off. It's better it feels for right when they're doing feels right. good. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, right outside of this list, too, and points, at least this week, was Saquon again. I think he finished, like, right under 20 points this I, week. Yeah, I, I talk about Saquon way too much, probably. Um, probably my only prediction that I got right at the beginning of the year is just Saquon was going to be a father. But, yeah, Saquon should absolutely be in this list. And this was a tough day for zero RB truthers. But it kind of wasn't at the same time. Because if you didn't take a top-tier running back, you may have ended up with a rookie running back. You might have. And there are some rookie running backs that are really emerging. And one of them, of course, was the first running back taken in the 2022 draft, Bruce Hall. 
number 20 on the New York Jets. Tell us about Brees Hall. You're watching him way more than us. What do you see in Brees? I obviously am so, so excited. I mean, there is so much crap on the offseason during, like, after the draft period about how could the Jets waste a premium pick on a running back? You spent a pick on a running back last year. Like, what are you doing? And, like, we're talking about one of the cleanest running back profiles and prospects coming out of college in years. Like, the, everything about Brees coming out of college said that he would be exactly this in the NFL. And I think on our first episode, we talked about what projections would look like for Jets players. And I said, Brees Hall, like it's going to take some time for him to kind of like have this outburst like this, right? Like he's got to earn that role a little bit. And it happened even quicker than I thought. And then this week, he just absolutely exploded. And he's probably missing another seven points here from two Michael Carter touches on the goal <laughs> yeah, try line. Eight, he got try 12 tough. points, man. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's more points left on the board for Brees Hall. And I think going forward, you're just going to continue to see more of this. He can catch the ball. And he is so electric in the open field. And he's just like, he's a step faster than Michael Carter. No doubt about that. And the Jets organization and coaching staff, like they've all realized, like you can see it, like the adjustments they're making, like keeping the players like him, um, Garrett Wilson on the field at all times. Like it's only going to get better for Brees owners. You know, it's just positive, positive, positive. I have nothing bad to say about Brees Hall. I had somehow didn't end up with him in a single one of my leagues. Yeah, because you play with me, <laughs> and that yeah. was a priority pick for me, man. Um, I I think Brees Hall looks really good, and you mentioned it coming out of college. He had this this prospect profile. So what Keegan's al- alluding to here is the fact that Brees Hall had really strong athleticism metrics. It's like speed, burst, agility, et cetera, and he had insane college production. So when you pair really strong college production with off-the-charts athleticism, it typically bodes well. He's been the best running back prospect since Jonathan Taylor. You know, we all love Javante Williams, but like Brees Hall is a better prospect and probably a better running back than Javante Williams. You know, Brees Hall is him. It is absolutely him, and he's gonna he's gonna be steamed into that game plan every game moving moving forward. Receptions, rushing the ball, like his, that's his job now. He's got the juice, and another rookie running back. <laughs> that probably has too much juice. It's it's kind of illegal. Like it makes people uncomfortable with how much juice Damian Pierce has. I mean, my goodness, this guy. He's just literally shot out of a cannon. It, it, and you can't bring him down. He looks like Marshawn Lynch out there. Like he's got an early candidate for one of the best <laughs> runs of the NFL dude, season so far. He runs nasty. And you know, I don't watch college football too much. And if you go on Florida Gators Twitter, I, I don't know the head coach of the Gators, but Gators fans have legitimately just been like, we hate this head coach. He never let Damian Pierce get the ball. He played favorites with his other players. And legitimately, Damian Pierce was this just excellent running back who made huge runs against LSU, against Alabama, that barely saw the field. So Damian Pierce is interesting because he's kind of different than Brees Hall in the sense that he had like no college production. He just tested really well, right? Really explosive, really good athlete. You know, he profiled really well as a receiving back. You know, people thought he was a good pick when the Texans took him in the fourth round, but he just barely played. So it's kind of surreal to see Brees Hall and Damian Pierce really on the opposite sides of the spectrum, both dominate. And they're dominating in different ways. Damian Pierce is getting involved more in the passing game. But he gets the bulk of the running back share. Brees Hall 
cash the ball a lot, right? Gets a ton of points in receiving. So I'm curious to know, what do you think about Damian Pierce, kind of the different profile that he has in Bruce Hall? I think what you said is, is absolutely true, right? They're completely different prospects coming out of college where it's like, we don't really know what his kind of production level is. And we just kind of know he's like, maybe this like more raw prospect, somebody who has the intangibles, but we're not really sure what we're going to get out of him. And Damian Pierce probably had the fastest rise on draft boards <laughs> of any rookie running back in the offseason. I mean, it took... All it was was training camp, and all of a sudden, everybody got it. It was like Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, a couple preseason games, and it's like he was jumping up 100 spots in fantasy drafts. And after week one, everybody was like, Rex Burkhead, maybe? I don't know. And then Lovey Smith and the Texans were like, okay, like let's stop playing around here. And now Damian yeah. Pierce is looking like a surefire like RB1 or at least very high-end RB2 for your roster for the rest of the year. I mean, he's going to get like bell cow work for the Texans. And the Texans are not necessarily a good team, um, but you want somebody who's always going to touch the ball. And Damian Pierce is going to touch the ball a lot for this scene. And you got to be pretty happy if you've got him in that fourth or fifth round. It's funny because like if you draft in the summer, you probably end up with him in like the 10th or 9th. If you do like we do drafts where it's like a week before the season starts, you got to grab him in the fourth or fifth. Like that's how quickly Dude. attention got to him and his draft ADP changed. I've got ninth round Damian Pierce. I've got eighth round Damian Pierce. I was jumping all over it because he literally showed up to training camp and they were like, this guy's like our best offensive player. They were like, yes. whoa. Like this guy, I, John McClain, longtime beat writer for the Houston Texans with the Houston Chronicle, tweeted, if the Texans don't play Damian Pierce, they are not playing their best running back. Like just point blank. And I was like, okay, this guy's been around the team since the team since the team came into the league in like 2003. I'm going to lean on that evaluation. And he had that game against the 49ers for sure. They were playing against like our third string D-line. But the dude was nasty, explosive. And I'm still not buying the fact that this is his ceiling. I think he could be an excellent receiving running back. And I think they're going to figure that out over the course of the year, that they can trust him, they can lean on him more. And I think he's going to play more. I think he's going to get more snaps and more receptions. Yeah. And I, I think mean, that snaps, really opens his ceiling. Yeah. I mean, his snap share of week one, obviously week one rookie, you're not expecting much, 29%. But week two, 62%. Week three, 59%. Week four, 68%. And week five, 79%. He had 26 rush attempts this week to go with 99 yards. And like I said, one of the hardest, hardest runs of the NFL season thus far. I mean, that was insane. Five targets, baby. That's five. not bad. I, that, you know, we're gonna live with five and six. Oh, five and six targets in his past two games. Yep. And then the last rookie to shine, unfortunately, one of the more injured players in the NFL, who's really talented. I think watching Rashad Penny run is is really cool. I mean, the guy just rips off long runs. Excellent player, but he's gonna miss forty out of his first eighty-two available games. His season-ending injury looks like he broke his ankle or his leg, a tibia, a fibia, tibia, whatever. And yeah. I, I didn't, I don't remember my anatomy, man. Uh, but it was, it was something with his ankle or leg. Unfortunately, Rashad Penny is going to be out for the rest of the year. And uh, Kenneth Walker took about what three snaps to show everybody how talented, talented yeah. he is. Wow, what, what did he do? Like sixty, yeah, six, sixty yards to the house, man. And you're like, whoa, this guy might be more athletic and explosive than Rashad Penny. Like, so 
anyone that drafted Kenneth Walker and was just stashing him, oh, that that looks tasty. That yeah, wow. And he's a little bit more close to Brees in terms of college production. You know, the, his last year at Michigan State. I mean, two years at Wake Forest, then he goes to Michigan State his junior year, and he's got sixteen hundred rushing yards the year before his draft year, and I think he had some more production. I think that's why there was more buzz originally about Kenneth Walker and uh, Brees Hall as like running back prospects for the NFL, and Damian Pierce kind of fell to that because he didn't have the college production to match. So I think people knew that Kenneth Walker had this in him, and he has that type of skill level, but it was going to be tough to see unless, you know, barring an unfortunate injury to Deshaun Penny, which did happen. Yeah. Um, so now all eyes are kind of on Kenneth Walker to be in that that number one focus of that backfield and it's still is dj dallas little take over some of that extra work but it's going to be a lot of kenneth walker moving forward for this year well you, you think that now kenneth walker is going to assume the rashad penny role that's my guess right yep and then you're going to have bj dallas play for a little bit travis homer is on ir so rashad penny week one 69 snap share week three 69 snap share week four 69% snap share. So you have to assume that Kenneth Walker is, is going to get close to 70% of the snaps moving forward in this backfield. This offense looks a lot better than we anticipated. This offense for sure doesn't write back. We know no, that for a fact. As a collective. And oh, I think they're what top five offense in the league right now. I think they're one dude. They're the number Once. one DVOA offense in football right now, which is just absurd. We, there, the Seattle didn't write backs. I don't even like. We don't even have enough time on this podcast to discuss Geno Smith, what he did. Oh my goodness, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the podcast. Wow, this offense is legit. Kenneth Walker, highly touted prospect, college production, super athletic, already on the field making huge plays. If he's on your waivers, I mean, it's like every single cent of fat. Like if you That's haven't spent your fab, hundred percent fat, right? You, you put the max bid on. You smash the click up button, man. I mean, you don't even hesitate. I don't know how many leagues you're playing him or Kenneth Walker's out there. I mean, Rashad Penny's one of the more injured players in the NFL. You you just had to hold on to him as a as a stash play. So I, I will we'll talk about that a little bit later. But if you went zero RB, you know, you might have Brees, you might have Damian Pierce, you might have Kenneth Walker. You're probably doing pretty good. So in pretty good shape. So maybe, you know, you had a tough week this week. You took it on the chin, but you're doing well for the next couple of weeks, at least, I'm right? I'm sending out some egregious trades <laughs> offers for these three this week. And, you know, the, the last part of our week three, and, and, you know, why don't you transition? You've been so cold with your transitions. I was just going to say, um, Sean, I think there's one more running back that we need to talk about um, after this week. Um, it's, it's taste some help. You did use the word egregious and, uh, <laughs> I'd use a lot of words to describe Taysom. And I've been a big Taysom hater over the years. I've been, I, I am a massive Alvin Kamara fan. I've, I've written the AK train for many years. So I have known the King Vulture himself, Taysom Hill, but oh my goodness that he went crazy. Like he went crazy, man. Like, he made no bad plays. He won them that game single-handedly. Like, I mean, it's absolutely bananas that he's considered a tight end. If you look at the snap counts, he did line up the most snaps in this game at tight end. 
he only ran the ball five times, and I think he went over 100 rushing yards on five runs, and he had that oh. passing touchdown. He had zero receptions and had more points than Travis Kelsey, who caught four touchdowns tonight. 37 points for Taysom Hill. Oh, my goodness. The Book of Mormon is back on Broadway, baby. I mean, my goodness. These weren't even vultures. He didn't even vulture. Like, you scored 50-yard touchdown runs. Like, you know what's coming. Like, they all know you're going to run him up the gut, and he just house calls. Like, I don't, I don't even hate him at this point. I, it's almost just like it. I've got Stockholm Syndrome. You know what I mean? Like you, you've been you've been captain. You're like your captor. You just start to love him over time. You just tip of the cap to Taysom. But I, I think regarding Taysom Hill, who I think is the biggest boomer bust play in fantasy right now, if you put him in your lineup, you might score three points or thirty-seven, which automatically makes him the best tight end you can probably play out of Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey right now. What do you think about Taysom Hill? What do you do? You think he should be a tight end? Like what? What are your thoughts? What's your take? I think Taysom Hill should be off limits to all <laughs> fantasy leagues. I think, I think Sleeper, Yahoo, ESPN should just remove Taysom Hill and just like take him off the available players app. Because it's such, I mean, the tight end position we've talked about Boo. is such bullshit. Boo. bullshit. Chaos, Key. We root for chaos, man. We do root for chaos. And yeah, maybe I'll put a bid in for him on Tuesday night. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But I, at the end of the day, Having a tight end, put air quotes, can't see what I'm doing, air quotes, having a tight end like Taysom Hill who rushes the ball for three to five times a game is arguably better than almost any tight end you can start in your lineup besides Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey and like maybe Dallas Goddard right now. Because that could be three to five touchdowns. Who knows, depending on where those rushes are coming from on the field. Or he'll house one for 50. He's not even catching the ball. And God forbid that Andy Dalton gets injured and Jameis can't play for some reason and you get your tight end to start in the quarterback <laughs> position. I mean, God forbid we have one of those roster snafus again where the leagues have to decide what to do with his designation. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say about it. Luckily, like, I don't think many people got Taysom this week. It would be very hard for you to imagine a lot of people like had the balls to start Taysom Hill this week. But there's going to be a lot of people who go out there and put a waiver claim for him or spend fab on them, and they're going to live and die by that boomer bust thing you talk about for the rest of the year with Taysom Hill because of this game. I will absolutely be investing in some Taysom Hill shares. <laughs> <laughs> I am so in. You are so right. Uh, Andy Dalton is not the model of health at quarterback in the NFL, and I'm sorry, but they just won a shootout because of Taysom Hill. Do you honestly think they're just going to stop playing him? Like, he's electric the guy has like six touchdowns this year like do they are better when he plays than when he doesn't play and you know we all can cry boohoo about it because he vultures because he vultures alvin Kamara because he's a terrible quarterback and if you have michael thomas he's not gonna be able to get him the ball but come on man chaos is a ladder hop in the Taysom train is leaving we got two tickets to the book of mormon baby let's go Come on, Sean, you can't outlaw him. You can't outlaw Taysom. Sean Payton is in some random bar in like maybe Dallas. And just like every time Taysom touches the ball, just like greasily touching his hands together. Like, yes, my precious. <laughs> Even without Sean Payton, Taysom Hill is still relevant. I know our friend Aiden Holler 
who is the biggest Taysom hater in the world, is having a rough having a rough go this weekend. The guy, I think he might hate Aaron Rodgers more than he hates Taysom Hill, but it's it's close between <laughs> those two. I think it's time to own up to some of our our mistakes um, and admit where we were wrong fantasy this year, Sean. Yeah, and aptly name this is milk was a bad choice. So, you know, I woke up, it was Saturday morning, I was trying to make a pot of coffee, you know, I needed a little milk, we had something sitting in the fridge, I didn't look at the expiration date, and I poured a little Jamar Chase wide receiver one into my cup. <laughs> and man, it was it was a bad choice. I really thought that Jamar Chase had all the talent in the world to match Justin Jefferson's production. He still might be able to. I even thought he could outscore Cooper Cup. But what I forgot was his head coach belongs in the circus because he's a donkey. A stone cold donkey. I mean no creativity. They do nothing to scheme Jamar Chase open. Their offense is literally, oh, Jamar's not doubled. Let's throw a go ball. He had like 11 targets, 12 fantasy points. It just was a bad choice. I should have, I should have oh. thrown the milk out. I like my coffee black anyway. I didn't even, I didn't even need the cream. It was, a, it was a bad choice, man. I, I got to own that. Cute, trying to sprinkle Jamar Chase into our wide receiver one slot, and. You know, thinking about getting 12 fantasy points from your star wide receiver who got 11 targets, that's a point a target. <laughs> that's brutal. You, that's you want awful. You want like a point per route run if you're lucky. <laughs> oh, my God. But not everyone has the ineptitude that is, that is our guy. That is Zach our guy, Taylor. Zach Taylor. And I actually undersold it. He had 12 targets. Oh my god. Big shout out, Zach. You're a you're a good man. I appreciate you. You're you really make football fun. We'll talk about you a little bit later in the in the podcast. With another uh, one. Uh, yeah, oh, with, with with some sour milk. Um we added a little scrambled eggs of uh Kyle Pitts tied in one in there as well. Milk was oh, a bad no. choice. Milk was a really bad choice that day. You know, we didn't even need milk in the eggs. You know, you don't even need to add more dairy to dairy, but I thought, you know what? It's going to make it fluffier. It's going to make it taste better. Three weeks expired. Kyle, I still adore you as a football player, but man, your snaps decrease. Your head coach hates you. And you just, you just don't catch the ball. You know, you just got one problem, man. Fantasy people. <laughs> Kyle Pitts is really good. He's just got one problem. He just doesn't catch the ball, man. <laughs> I, I don't even. He didn't play this week. You know, rest up, get that hammy right. But that's brutal. Just three DNPs, completely out of nowhere. Didn't play, and I had to play Robert Tanyan, who somehow scored more points than Kyle Pitts, but it was somehow worse because I just. It felt worse. I just knew that seven points was Robert Tunyon's ceiling. Uh, where Kyle Pitts, I just I know you could score 30, man, but 
it was a bad choice. Saying that you'd be in front of Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews is, is truly comical. And um, I'm happy I only had 10 listens on that podcast because uh, that that's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing one. And the last one, it's 120 degrees out. I'm in the middle of Abu Dhabi. It's very hot. I don't know how I got here. But somebody has to be a Gatorade. And they've also got some 2%. And I say, I don't need that Gator. Look at that 2%. I take a big old chug of A.J. Dillon's better than Aaron Jones. Oh. Well, wow. A.J. Dillon had a good week one. But my man is a backup running back through and through. He is not yeah. even close to as good as Aaron Jones. And the only way this man is going to pay off on ADP is if Aaron Jones goes down. I mean, A.J. Dillon did go off in the back end of last year. It can happen. But I'm going to say that A.J. Dillon being better than Aaron Jones is just flat out wrong. Aaron Jones is shot out of a cannon. No chance. None chance. That is 120-degree milk. Milk was a bad choice. No, thank you. That's what fantasy football does to you, though. Like you're looking at AJ Dillon, you're like, "This is it. This is the. This is why I do zero RB." And then you're like, "Wait a minute! I just drafted a backup running back. Like he's just a backup. Nothing more. Nothing less. And a good backup, but a backup. I mean, the snap shares are. I don't know. I mean, I I think I'm just deluding myself. I'm I'm gaslighting myself. I mean, 51 percent, 57, 53, 58. Only 32% week five. So this is at our lowest with AJ Dillon right now. But I mean, we have fantasy points over the past four weeks. Seven, six, nine, three. Oh, baby. It was supposed to be a get right game for him. It was the Giants. And I still wasn't buying into the Giants. And they go all the way overseas to London. And you think AJ Dillon's going to have himself a cup of tea. And... He doesn't even get to sit at the table. No. No, tea time is called. No milk either. No milk for the Brits. I know they like milk in their tea. But, you know, AJ, I still like AJ. I still like Jamar. I still believe in them for the rest of the season. I got to temper my takes a little bit. I got to call them out. I got to air them out before our 26 listeners really get back to me. But I think it was important to do that. But I'm not sending these guys to jail. But... I'm going to send some ideas and some players to jail. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. First and foremost, right away, ankle injuries, straight to jail. Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm not going to blame you. You just want to, you want to tough through it. You want to play. Dan Campbell wants to win. He's going to let you play. Clearly hobbled. Your bye week's coming up. Probably should have sat it out, but ankle injuries... Straight to jail. T. Higgins, 10 snaps, re-aggravates his ankle injury. Zach Taylor, I might hate you at this point. That's stuff I can say for my therapist, but T. Higgins, ankle injury, straight to jail. We're not going to put the players in jail for being injured. We're going to put ankle injuries straight to jail. We're not letting you out. No bail, no bond. You're gone. We don't. We're good. We're good, okay? Zach Taylor, we're going to send you to a federal max penitentiary. I mean, have you seen the video of Joe Mixon tipping the play calls on Twitter? It's bad. It's, it's bad. so yeah. bad. Okay, so for our listeners, Joe Mixon has a posture 
for when it's going to be a pass play and he has a posture for when it's going to be a run play. You literally can see it. Joe Burrow will audible out of a run into a pass and literally Mixon just changes how he stands. If Twitter, all 22, Keegan and I are on it, um, I think that John Harbaugh and the Ravens are on it. Like Zach Taylor, figure it out. Also, you called a Philly special from the goal line. And then you also call like the Pat Mahomes one yard flip to your fifth string wide out. Like what, what are you doing? Like I might have an aneurysm dude, like straight to jail, start scheming open bubble screens, Jamar chase, figure it out. Or you're just never coming out. Max sentence. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Do anything. It's I'm the done. Most, but they're so boring to watch this year as an offense. I, I'm done. I'm, 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 no, I'm out, Zach. Just get a K on your name or something. I don't know. Um, people complaining about fourth down decisions. Straight to jail. If you really think that if you were a coach, you actually would have the courage to go for it or not go for it, like, come on now. Like, you barely can get a spreadsheet out to your manager in time. All right. Like, just stop complaining about fourth down decisions. Okay. Just stop. If the coach gets it when you disagree, then it's cool. He got it. Thumbs up. If he doesn't get it, then, you know, thumbs down. I'm angry. Like, it's like, it's such a result driven thing. Judge the result, judge the process. Just stick to something. Be consistent. Stop complaining about fourth down. I don't, are you a big complainer of fourth down? Or, cause if you are, Keegan, I'm sorry. Right in the podcast, you're going straight to jail, man. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm kind of here on this with you. Don't worry about me. Oh my God. I'm getting sweaty. Getting worked up. George Kittle, man. Seriously, you're going to fumble in the first game you literally do anything in? Like, dude, you're actually getting targeted and you fumble. Like, I need these points, George. I need them bad, man. Like, come on. Come on. Come on. Straight to jail, George. This is, this is an easy one. Easy bail. This is a, you're, this is a misdemeanor. Taysom Hill. I just, just, the, just, just jail. I don't know. I don't, how are we going to deal with Tyson? I would like to send him to jail. I would like to send him to Vegas jail. He just shouldn't but be allowed. I want for him anybody. to keep playing while he's in jail. It's like he's got his cell phone and his Xbox. He's very involved in his daily life, but he currently resides in a prison. Okay. Until he catches a ball, he's in jail. Okay. And then he can be a tight end when he catches the ball. And then, um, last but not least, Devontae Adams for. Monday nighting me in a lineup that I started Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Gabe Davis, and playoff Lenny, and also for shoving a cameraman. He might actually go to jail for that. So, and that is week five, straight to jail. Wow, we did it. You feel better now, son? I, yeah, I'm feeling better. Well, thank you for thank you for keeping some law and order amongst the fantasy land and the football land, Sean. Um, and now it's time to look at some waiver wires for this week. Let's start with some quarterbacks this week, Sean. Who do you have on the week six waiver wire that you're looking at at the QB position? I'm looking at a quarterback that doesn't own a pen, for sure doesn't have a pencil. Like, at this point, no pencil. I don't even think he has a phone. Any device that could allow you to write back to somebody, I don't think it's possible for the man. Geno Smith should be in every single league. If he is on waivers, you should go pick him up. If you have somebody who's not a believer, you should go trade for him because he looks incredible, like legitimately making throws that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen make and Lamar. Like that dime to Tyler Lockett 
was god mode i mean insane like this is beyond just like oh it's a fun fantasy story like jared goff where you could just kind of plug and play him he'll get some garbage time touchdown and yardage no he's legitimately like a difference maker at quarterback right now this offense is going to score a ton this defense stinks i think you should be picking up geno smith and i'm starting geno smith in a league where like i had trey lance like he's the trey lance replacement like staring right at you He's going to score more points, I think, than Trevor Lawrence, which is surprising. Like, Gino, Gino's awesome. Like, he looks so good, Keegan. Like, maybe he should have been the franchise quarterback for the Jets all along, man. Well, well, we can't really go back. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But he does look really, really good. He had a couple awesome crossbody throws like, on the move that looks really good, too. Um, his next four games are Arizona, and then, and that's at home. In Seattle. Then they go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. And then they're at home against the Giants. And then they go to Arizona after that. So it's a nice four games coming up for Geno. He could be a guy that helps you push for that playoff spot. But the next four weeks look really good for Geno. I'm, I'm kind of buying in on that. Another guy I'm buying into, he didn't have any crazy style line game. But the fact that he put, over, put up over 10 fantasy points against the Bills, like I thought it was kind of impressive. Kenny... Kenny threw a pick, but he had over 300 yards passing. I think he had some rushing involved. He scored over 13 points. I mean, that was a terrible spot for him. Like, truly Am I looking awful. at this right? He threw the ball 52 times. He did. Because you know why? He was getting, <laughs> he was getting his teeth kicked in. <laughs> By, they were. They yeah, were. They were, they, were getting his, they were getting their teeth kicked in. He, he, he had 10 rushing yards, 327 passing yards. I mean, honestly, his schedule is a murderer's row. But I think Kenny Pickett's an interesting stash. I know it sounds crazy. You're looking at me kind of weird. But I don't hate it. And again, like if Malik Willis starts playing or Desmond Ritter starts playing, I think it's interesting to at least take a dice roll on these rookie quarterbacks because they're going to be cheap and they might be good. You just don't know, right? Now they might all stink and it might just be worthless. But I think Kenny Pickett's an interesting dart throw. That's just my, that's my take here. I mean, like you might have Carson Wentz on the wire. I don't know. Like, I just think like Kenny Pickett is solid. Now you might not play him for the next six weeks because the schedule is so bad, but if he continues to produce at a similar pace that he's been producing at and scoring fantasy points against tough defenses, I think it bodes pretty well for his prospects throughout the season. And then before we go to running backs, um, I actually kind of like Wentz this week. Okay. Um, They... I mean, he just had a nice 20, almost 22-point outing, like 21.8 against Tennessee. Um, they play at Chicago next week. I could see another decent Carson Wentz game. And then this other one I have, I know like, I know you're somebody who rosters Dak, and you're probably keeping him on the IR, right? But if they're in a league and Dak is like dropped by somebody, because um, I do see that in two of my leagues, actually, that I'm in, would you risk a waiver to grab Dak now before he's back? 100%. someone in your leagues. 100%. Exactly. So, yeah. just want to put that on people's radar and make sure you go check your waivers. But other than that, I don't necessarily love Goff at Dallas. Or the Goff and the Lions have a bye, but then they come back and they've got Dallas right after that. So, you're probably a ways away from taking the Jared Goff experience for a ride again. But, I don't know. Mariota, Tannehill. I don't love anything else that's out here. So, rather take the dice roll on an upside rookie than Ryan Tannehill at this point. For running backs, I mean... Like Kenneth Walker, if Kenneth Walker's out there, 
this is the, like, if you were like, I don't want Mike Boone or I don't want Tyler Algier or even the, I don't even want Jeff Wilson crowd. Oh, I should have owned my Jeff Wilson take. Oh my goodness. We'll talk about that on the next spot. Sorry for everyone that listened to me and didn't go pick up Jeff Wilson. I'm going to own that out. But if you skipped out on all these waiver wire running backs and you have fab, like you're one of those people who just has like $100 of fab, $95 of fab, Kenneth Walker is out there. For the reasons we spoke about at the beginning of this podcast, every single dollar on him. I agree. Yep. I agree. I wish I played in fantasy leagues with some morons, but <laughs> he's rostered in all four of the leagues I'm in. Um, the next one we have here, though, you know, Benjamin, this might be, I don't know the severity of Jim Connor's injury, but this could be a decent one week play at running back. If you're really like, if you're slim at RBs. I mean, from my understanding, James Connor has the rib injury. So James Connor banged up his ankle and had to leave a game. James Connor injured his ribs. So I don't know if it's the Camara rib injury or the Herbert injury, but again, it's like a four week thing. So I'm he might try and play with it. He might have to sit out because of the pain. But Eno Benjamin came in. He's got some juice. You know, he's kind of tiny. He catches the ball. And I think something to keep in mind, too, is that not only does he have some juice, he's receiving back, scored a rushing touchdown. I think Daryl Williams got hurt in this game, too. So he might legitimately be the last man standing in this offense. Exactly. So he's, he's not like a season-long like season pickup that Kenneth Walker is. But if you're like in a pinch for a running back, I think you can do worse sitting on Benjamin right now. And they played the worst defense in the league at Seattle next week. Ooh, baby. That's Ooh. a tasty matchup for the Cardinals all fire across up, the board. Fire up, you know, that's a fun game. Oh, wow. We're going to talk about that on Thursday for sure. That's a lot of points on the board next week with Seattle and the Cardinals going at each other. Yeah. Somebody who didn't score a lot of points, Brian Robinson. Pretty I cool. He came back. Yeah, he still yes. came back. He still got a decent amount of carries. He didn't do much with them, playing a good Titans defense. But I mean, we have to look up how many staffs he got coming off a legitimately life-threatening injury. The man got shot twice, came back in his first game, got thirty percent of the snaps, nine carries for twenty-two yards. So not super efficient. But he did get a bunch of the high leverage snaps. So he was getting the snaps with like the game on the line, third and one. He pretty indicative of how the coaching staff use him. And you could tell there was a lot of energy around him playing. And what's crazy too is that with Brian Robinson back in the fold, Antonio Gibson played 32% of the snaps. And you had JD McKissick playing 41% of the snaps. So this is, I mean, kind of gross because it's a three-man running back committee. But Brian Robinson is going to score touchdowns and get a lot of the rushing work. You're seeing Antonio Gibson get phased out of this offense. Now, he played 2% of the more snaps than somebody just coming off getting shot, right? I think that says a lot about what they think of Antonio Gibson. And all the reports coming out of the preseason were was Brian Robinson is probably going to be RB1. And had he not had this unfortunate carjacking situation, I don't even think Antonio Gibson would be a conversation point at this point of the year. But obviously, it's week five now. And but see, Antonio Gibson rushed the ball three times, and this is the kid's first game back after suffering gunshot wounds. Yeah, I mean, that tells me everything I need to know about how they do Antonio Gibson. And JD McKissick is always kind of there floating around as like this pass catching third down back. But Brian Robinson could be somebody who can still sure up your RB room and add some depth for you. And it may not 
you know, see dividends right off the bat, but I still think it's a smart play to go out there um, and scoop him up. And then, you know, some other names, like maybe Mike Boone, if he's out there, um, I thought he played okay. With he, pl- he, looked better he, than, he looked better than Gordon. So that could take some time to shake out and see who actually goes there. Um, one thing that I would maybe continue to keep an eye on is Pacheco. Um, we said it several times, but that's another like stash play for later in the year. Um, I wanted to ask you this about James Cook. And we've talked about this a little bit with the Bills being so good and being up in game scripts so often that James Cook starts to see run towards the end of the games. And he's not a bad, you know, running back overall. Um, and I know the running back room is a little nasty, but it's never a bad idea to stash a player who plays on an offense like the Bills. What do you think about James Cook? I was a big James Cook believer. I had a lot of James Cook shares at the beginning of the year. I cut bait pretty quick. I don't know. I mean, I think he's really talented. He's really versatile. Obviously, they drafted him to play him in the passing game to be a third-round running back. They don't trust him with that yet. Devin Singletary gets a lot of that run. And then I don't I don't know if any of this Christian McCaffrey buzz to the Bills is real or not. I don't know. But I just I think that it would take an injury or major, major growth throughout the season for Cook to play. Now, it could happen, right? Cook could go off in the back end of the year. You see it happen all the time. Like J.K. Dobbins barely had a role as rookie year and then was a league winner on the back end because everyone just dropped him and eventually started going off. So I think it's a possibility. Like it may take him like half the year to be good. But somebody to monitor for sure. I'd rather have Brian Robinson right now, even though that goes against like I want to have good players attached to good quarterbacks rule, but like I just see the path to playing time faster for Robinson right now than I see it for James Cook. Fair enough. But for wide receivers, you know, I kind of hate the Colts. I just don't like watching them. Like Matt Ryan's a statue. It just hurts to watch him play quarterback. But Alec Pierce has been pretty good. In his last three games he's played, he's gotten over 60 receiving yards. So I think he's cleared over 10 fantasy points in three out of the four games he's played. I think you can do work. Rookie rookie wide receivers typically get better as the year goes on. That offense probably isn't going to be this bad all year as they adjust to a new quarterback, even though I love to give Matt Ryan a hard time. I think Alec Pierce could get some runs. So I think he's somebody that you should be picking up. And I don't think a lot of people are running to pick up Alec Pierce. Are you running to pick up Alec Pierce? Like, what's your take on this? There's just the Colts. Just like a voodoo doll. You want nothing to do with them. I don't. Yeah, that's an offense. I don't really have yeah. any investment in across the board for all of my fantasy leagues. So I'm probably staying away from that. But I don't hate it as a suggestion, um, especially with the encouraging usage like for him, just like continuing to go up. So it's not a bad play. Yeah. And our next one, our, our dearly beloved Greg Dorch. He's not dead. So I know I said a dearly beloved, but Greg, Greg is on the bench. Um he doesn't, he doesn't play anymore. <laughs> Rondell Moore does play, though. And he's got a pretty clearly defined role on this team. 13 fantasy points this week, and he had like six catches for 80 yards. Basically just did the Greg Dorch. <laughs> That's basically what he did. So yeah. if, if Rondell Moore is just going to you know, be Greg Dorch with, with draft capital, probably going to invest in that. He's probably going to have a role. He's probably going to play. Now, there are some question marks. DeAndre Hopkins coming back. How that affects Rondell Moore. How that affects our... Our fantasy star, Hollywood Brown, that you and I both both think kindly of this season. But what is your take on Rondell Moore? Do you think he's going to – I mean, I think he's going to play, but do you think he's going to continue oh. to see targets? 
Well, this is the perfect week to go pick them up for the same reason that we talked about picking up, you know, Benjamin. I mean, there could be four Seattle players with Rondell Moore, you know, Benjamin, Marquise Brown, and Zach Kurtz all getting double-digit fantasy points against Seattle next week. Um, I do think that Kurtz targets as a safety blanket are protected from DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Um, I even think that Marquise Brown's role is safe and you shouldn't worry about um, when Hopkins comes back and how his role is affected. I think I'm more concerned about how Rondell Moore will be used in this offense because I don't really trust Cliff to be creative to get all of his playmakers the ball, especially when you get somebody like Hopkins back and he's going to want to give him the ball as much as possible. Um, but for one week play right now and maybe like potential like depth upside for the rest of the year, I think it's a great pickup. But next week of Seattle, that would be a great flex play. If they win against Seattle and they're three and three without D Hop, it's pretty big for them. I, I think a lot of people love to hate on Cliff. You and I too. Like Cliff's an idiot, right? It's it's a lot of fun to dunk on somebody who, you know, makes way more money than we ever will and, you know, <laughs> yeah, climb the ranks of college and professional football. But I think it'll be pretty impressive if they beat the Seahawks and go three and three. I think this offense, especially Kyler, takes a huge jump with Diop. Maybe I'm putting a little too much faith in Diop, but that man's a bother. And he's healthy and he's motivated, I think, to, to come out and play well. So maybe that's one. If Diop's out there, I'm sure people have stashed him. But I mean, I'd probably pick up Diop if he's on the waivers out there. Um, Kyle Phillips. Now, for our 30 listeners, Kyle Phillips. I'm going to need you to a, talk me through this one because this is, this is gross. Kyle Phillips is a slot receiver on the Tennessee Titans. When he's played and when he's run a route, he's targeted at a 28% rate. So when he's on the field and he's running a route, close to 30% of the time he's getting a target. Shifty slot receiver. Traylon Brooks was essentially running slot for them. He has turf toe. He's on IR. I think Kyle Phillips is another guy that's when he's out there is going to get targeting, going to get points. Rookie, rookie wide receiver. So in Tennessee Titans, everything I said, Tennessee Titans. But again, he's competing with targets for against Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Robert Woods. So like, I don't know, man. I think he gets a run. He can play well. He's looked good when he's gotten targets. Can you even tell me what Kyle Phillips looks like? Oh, no, not no. a chance. Okay. He's like, not a chance. Like a Wes Welker type. Shifty That's little slot guy. Like a, he's a gym rat. <laughs> he's a gym rat. <laughs> he's yeah, a grinder. He's super undersized, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's like a little guy. He's a gym rat. Um, he, he's no Ben Skoranek, but uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's a gym rat. Ben Skoranek is just like the clone uh, Cooper Cup. So teams get dif- like confused out there. Like, yeah, no, we had Cooper covered. Oh wait, that's Ben Skoranek. And then for you, you had the the Kadarius Tony Roulette. So you're you're advising our listeners to hop on this train. So walk me through it. And like my whole my whole thing here is somebody has to catch the ball for the Giants. And if the Giants are gonna be a winning football team, then you know the I think I don't know if their offense is something I want to tie myself to right in fancy, like we're going along that rule of like we want players who are good on good teams. But the Giants keep winning games. They're doing it without any like star wide receivers. And Tony from the brief moments we've seen him with the football in his hands is electric, you know, and he's not staying on the fields. He can't seem to make, I think he's the only player to have multiple IR or injury designations, like for multiple injuries at one time, like he's got to set a record for how many times he's been on the injury report for multiple injuries. Uh, but if for some reason he gets healthy, I don't 
I, I don't mind it, right? I mean, he's so good with the ball in his hands. And if the Giants are going to win football games and continue to win football games, they need to have their best players on the field. And Kadarius Toney, while he is injury-prone, is one of the more skillful players on the Giants roster right now. I'm, like, low-key convinced Kadarius Toney is just a figment of our imagination. We just, like, hallucinated. <laughs> we hallucinated for two games last year. We had 30 points. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I have Tony Lee. Not going to drop him. It's not happening. I'm not capitulating. If I drop Tony and then someone picks him up and he's a league winner, I'll not be able to live with myself. So, nope, not happening. Not dropping him. So, I don't think I'm going to add him if I see him on the wire. I don't think I need to go through this in multiple leagues. But, I mean, it's it's a dart throw. I mean, again, it's like investing in cryptocurrency. You know, just just be prepared to never see that money again. That's that's how I'd approach it with Darius Tony. He's the cryptocurrency of wide receivers. Are you uh, buying into the Diami Brown stock no. after one good week? <laughs> okay, no. good. Me neither. No. Me neither. No, he caught two balls. Any one of the reason he played is because is Jahan Dotson was out, right? Yep, correct. Yeah, that's the only reason he played. I'm out. I'm out on the. I, mean, I thought Carson wants to be the worst quarterback in football. Kind of on that one too, but yeah, he does suck. So I'm just gonna say it. He sucks. Uh, for tight end, let's let's again let's not subject our listeners to too much tight end talk. You know, you you banged the Hayden Hurst drum for a couple weeks now. Fantastic game. I think you got to own him. He's a big part of this offense. You know, clearly with the way their defenses are scheming Jamar Chase out of the offense. Clearly with T. Higgins now banged up, like Hayden Hurst, you got to But got to pick him up. You have to do anything you can to sure up a tight end spot that will get you eight to twelve points at this point of the season. Go. Go pick him up because you picked up Tyler Coughlin and now he doesn't score points. And then when Hayden Hurst doesn't score points for two weeks, go pick up the next tight end that's not going to score points who did score points. So just keep picking up guys after they've been good. That's what you have to do. You know, it's amazing, right? You have to. Um, okay. Greg Dulcich. I know you're a big Dulcich guy. Greg Dulcich is a rookie tight end for the Broncos. Albert O or Albert Zero for snaps that he plays. He's not involved in the offense anymore. This regime drafted Greg Dulcich in the third round. He's coming off IR. It's offense suspect, but I think it's worth an ad. Dulcich is a Mackey just, Award does the winner. Staff just hate Albert O because that wasn't like their pick. Like, is that what the deal is? I just think he might not be good. And I think, <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's super athletic. Like, but Albert O. I just don't think he's good at blocking, and I think he has issues picking up scheme. And that offense is oh baby, I, I, I gives me the it gives me the heebie-jeebies recommending anyone in that offense. But tight end is a wasteland. It's an interesting dart throw. If you're picking up on any of the way that I approach fantasy, is I think rookies are worth taking a risk on. High variance, but they're super cheap. No one's seen them before. So again, if if any of your league mates know who Greg Dulcich is, go tell them to touch grass. Okay, that's that's my here's advice. well here's one for you that's even worse. Uh how about Kate Ott? Oh, Kate Otten actually played. I probably should have wrote Kate Otten. Kate Otten is the backup tight end for the Buccaneers. He's also a rookie. What he saw six catches for like 40 yards. He gave you 10. He gave you the Zach Ertz. I mean, you're gonna take that. He gave 10 10 yeah, he gave you the Zach you're Ertz. Baby. Tight 94% of snaps. Yeah, you're gonna take the you're gonna take the Zach Ertz any day. That's a good one. I might need to go pick up Kate Otten. I, I probably will. <laughs> I probably will if Rudolph's out. He looked better than Rudolph, so. And I know the last one, of course, is is Taysom Hill. 
Taysom. Come on. Come on, ride the Taysom roulette. If you're going to go pick up Kadarius Tony, go pick up Taysom. Just just do it. It'll be good for your mental health. Down just both do it. of those guys. Do it. Do it. And that wraps up another fantastic episode. A bit of housekeeping. Keegan's actually going to be joining us twice a week. So more Keegan. The listeners like Keegan. They come for Keegan's mustache that they can't even see. They can't even see it. But they just, just know he is a handsome man from Texas with a mustache. We're going to be doing segments on our favorite matchups of the week. Um, so less me, more Keegan. So everyone's going to be pretty happy with that. Also, if you have not yet, please subscribe. Please like. I feel like I'm pandering, but we're trying to build something here. We need the support. We need the grassroots effort here. We appreciate all of it. Every listen means the world to us. We're having a blast. We appreciate you. You know, Keegan, because you're joining twice a week now, you want to you want to sign us off here? We're going to play the, play the music with you. I just want to say it's not addition by subtraction by more Keegan, less Sean. What it is is addition by addition by bringing people more of the Regression of the Mean podcast in a better environment with the both of us. Less work for Sean, more work for me. Take some off your plate and let's have some fun with it this year, Sean. Keegan Thompson, good at words. Thanks, Keegan. Talk to you soon, man. (laughs) 